You're listening to the Her Leadership Coach Podcast for the quietly determined career woman who's looking to step up into her first or next level leadership role. If you're looking to make a bigger, more positive difference in your organization, you've come to the right place. Well, hello, welcome in. It's Rochelle. On today's episode of Her Leadership Coach, we have a wonderful guest joining us, which uh, is very exciting. Joanna Rawbone is going to talk to us today about how to lead authentically as an introvert. And if that's pricked your ears up, so it should, <laughs> because uh, a lot of us are introverted or maybe ambivert, but, you know, on that introverted side. And uh, I think leading authentically is what we really want to do because it's exhausting to do anything else. So welcome to the show, Joanna. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm, yeah, I'm really interested in, in hearing what you have to say about this. Uh, but let's start off with a quick introduction. So tell us a little bit about who Joanna is, um, what what your career journey was, and then how you've landed where you are today. Okay, brilliant. Thank you. So yeah, I'm Joanna Rawbone. When you're saying both names, Joanna's helpful, because if you say Joe Rawbone, it's like chewing a wasp. But actually, <laughs> mostly people refer to me as Joe. And I've known from very early age that I was different from other people around me in that I would take myself to bed early to read as a child so that I could escape into my imagination. What I didn't realize then was that what I was doing was escape to recharge my batteries, but hey ho, things I found out later in life. <laughs> that difference I took with me through into kind of later years education into the workplace etc and it wasn't until my 30s that I found out that what made me different was that I identified as an introvert and I was I remembered I remember exactly where I was it's funny isn't it those seminal moments in our life when we know exactly where we were uh, it was in week one of a women into leadership program run by Cranfield, which is a highly respected kind of management business school here in the UK. And they got us to take the Myers-Briggs type indicator. Now I know a lot of people really diss that, but I remember reading this little paragraph about my reported type and I came out as an ISFP for anyone who's done that, that will mean something to you. And it was like somebody somebody had, had looked into my soul it was a perfect description of how I saw myself and in that moment it was this whole thing about so I'm not broken I don't need fixing there are other people like me mm -hmm. and that was such a revelation for me mm. because up until then I have to say that I had absolutely lacked self-confidence self-belief self-esteem was all pretty low um, and I'd made some interesting choices in my life. Let's leave it like that. Um, and from the the story from that moment on wasn't all plain sailing. And I guess we might get into that later on. But who I am now is a, a almost re a retirement age woman with a mission in life, which is to shift the extroversion bias that's going to enable introverts to flourish authentically to be who they really are. Yes. And that's like, I love that mission that is uh, sorely needed. Uh, and look, 
there are whispers that this is this is happening, right? I see some shifts in this space, which I am forever grateful for. Uh, so I've got two things that I picked up in your introduction there. The first is what what was your favorite book as a child that you escaped to? Because that was me all over, um, reading under the covers with with a torchlight once my parents yeah. set lights out. Yep. <laughs> So, so the book is still on my shelf here. So it is about 59 years old now, and it is an original hardcover, and it's an Enid Blyton book called The Magic Faraway Tree. Oh, we're soul sisters, Joe. <laughs> that is my, that is my, yeah, ultimate favorite. I, that the magic in those books was just like, how could you not want to escape into that Absolutely. world? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Um, and then ISFP. So I am INFJ. And I guess similar story to you, I remember taking that test and uh, having a, just this clear understanding of so many things from it mm -hmm. and, and reading the paragraph and going, wow, that's, that's so me. Um, there's a few things I've learned more recently around the um, N and the T for women where it, there could be a bit of socialization in our question answering around the N and the T. And I sort of thought, yeah, maybe for me, um, because we are brought up to be more um, feeling, sensing, that kind of stuff. Uh, and the thinking side or the, the logical side is not as, socialized we're not as socialized mm, as in that mm. space as boys are and so it is a potential that underneath we still are a t and uh, a thinker so uh, yeah I, I found that interesting and it's possible for me um but I still like that whole paragraph was like yes that's yeah that's me uh, and and very much like you because I I've always been a very I was a practical child I was a a, a daddy's girl <clears throat> excuse me so I always wanted to be tinkering in the garage with him you know with a bit of wood or a spanner or you know a screwdriver or doing something um so I was surprised that I came out as an F because I I have often described myself actually as a head on a stick in that I am very much in my head you yeah. know a lot of the time um and I'm not what I do agree with is I'm not particularly good at big picture. So, you know, my senses are all important to me. So that didn't surprise me. And I think I'm fairly close on the T, um, on the T and the F anyway, but every time I do it and I've, I've done it occasionally anyway, you know, I still come out as the F, but you're right. How much of that is socialization as opposed to reality would be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it would. And I think worth, reading that paragraph as well and going mm, can I feel a bit of that in me as well yeah um which I think I did but yeah still not quite getting it well and and you know I I went on to train as a Myers-Briggs um practitioner because it had such a profound effect on me and I remember during the training you know being told very clearly that your type does not define you and that when we look in at Myers-Briggs in terms of leadership capacity for instance it's very much about you know yes think of the 16 types as rooms in a house and there is one that's your favorite it has all of your favorite things around you in that room 
But actually, as a leader, it's your responsibility to learn how to flex. And I remember the phrase they used even to this day was, you know, how can you flex elegantly towards the other styles such that you can be that style in the moment without having to pretend, without having to think you've got to live in that room, but just in order to actually be um be, be more on the same wavelength as other people when you're in a leadership role and that stuck with me really clearly in terms of it doesn't really matter what my what my four letters are what's useful to me is to say which is the bigger stretch for me in terms of how do I flex in that particular direction and you know talking about authentic leadership that's one of the things we need to do to to be able to to flex elegantly but remain authentic or true to who we really are yeah yeah that's interesting uh and I uh, it makes me want to go back and look at what my biggest stretch is and I'm not thinking of one off the top of my head but it wasn't definitely not introvert extrovert because I'm I'm very sort of in the middle but it's always always on the eye but yeah in the middle okay so let's start talking about how to lead authentically as an introvert so we're sort of touching on that subject anyway so what is what is your sort of key message for women that are on the introverted side and we're often told oh you know speak up speak fast be decisive and make those decisions out loud and uh and I know you know often you're seen as incompetent if you're not doing all those things right and so how do we show that we are a leader without being inauthentic without constantly having to stretch to that other side yeah it's such a great question and one that I have had to learn because I spent more than two decades pretending to be more extroverted because that's what my organization seemed to want that's what they seem to value in people and having done, done the Myers-Briggs type indicator it showed me where my differences were so it, it it almost gave me a blueprint of how to be more extroverted rather than to be my authentic self so I have had to learn actually firstly to own my introversion and actually with a sense of pride so I remember making excuses for it I remember apologizing for being too quiet because you're right, people would often say, oh, you're so quiet, what's the matter with you? Or you need to push up and, and you know, push, push yourself forward, speak up, do all that sort of stuff. Mm. And I complied with that message for quite a while until I hit burnout. Mm. And that was a key message for me in terms of if I'm inauthentic for long enough, I will experience introvert burnout. And, and the last time it happened, it took me over three months to get over. And that was a big lesson for me in terms of it's time to show up as who I am, but without apology. Yes. So one of the things, as you rightly said, you know, we often get things said to us like, why are you so quiet or you're too quiet? You know, let's hear more from you. Mm. And I used to mumble an apology in the past. And these days what I do is say something like, thank you for noticing you know, I identify as an introvert and one of my real strengths in situations like this is to be able to listen to what's being said and in, in fact notice what's not being said too. And I can only do that if I'm relatively quiet. So thank you for noticing. Mm. And that for me 
made a whole world of difference because there were so many groups and teams that I had worked with who needed more people to be listening and less people to be talking. So all of a sudden there's this little wake up call about, oh, actually, so you're not just quiet because you don't know what to say or you're not quiet because you don't have an opinion. You're quiet intentionally. You're quiet deliberately because you're using some of your other skills. Mm. And for me, that makes a world of difference. Mm. Mm. That's so good. I love the idea of uh, of owning it, right? So of first realizing, and you do have to Myers-Briggs or something to go, yes, I'm definitely yeah. introverted. Uh, I am not like speaking up in meetings is not because I don't have something to say, although I might not have something to say in that minute, but I have plenty to say on this topic. And so once you've recognized that, owning it and sharing mm-hmm. that, uh, like you said, like the the good side of that, because there's so many great sides of being an introvert, um, yeah. sharing that out loud with other people so that they get it too, because most extroverts do not get it (laughs) let's be fair well and and if we believe the data you know up to 50 percent of any population identifies an introvert so there will be other people in that environment going thank you you know hooray thank you thank you for saying that yeah but but what we've tended to do is kind of collude with and comply with the extroversion bias and think we all have to be these kind of pushy outspoken you know voices in a meeting Mm. but that's not what the world needs it really isn't so you're right the first thing is to is to really own your introversion. In my case, it was to own my introversion and then really start to figure out, so what are my strengths? What are the things that I can play to so that I can lead, well, so that I can be authentic in the first place and then lead and manage authentically after that? Mm-hmm. So one of the things I've heard before around being an introverted leader versus an extroverted leader is there are, different types of leadership roles that suit one versus the other is that something that you've come across it is it is a little I mean the the whole thing is that we're highly unlikely to be the kind of the charismatic leaders of this world although I know plenty of introverts who actually do have a big personality but they're just often not given the opportunity to demonstrate that um, so yes, there are there are leadership roles that are more comfortable for us, more natural, maybe not comfortable, more natural for us. Mm-hmm. And for me, the whole servant leadership is exactly the way I would go on this in terms of, you know, for me, that sums up pretty much what I think is my natural leadership style. And actually, I found one that people respond to very well. So, so, you know, I'm going to be within, I'm going to be empowering them. I, I consider myself when a leader in service of those people. I don't think of them in service of me. I don't think of them doing things for me as leader. It's about how do I actually allow them to access their full potential and, and you know, demonstrate that. So everything I do for me feels in service of that. And I was somewhat disappointed recently. I saw a, an article on LinkedIn about, you know, let's let's get rid of this um, humble being a quality of leadership because humble means subservient and all that sort of stuff. But actually, 
you know, I, I think it's, I still think it's a great quality. I, I love what Amy Edmondson refers to as situational humility, mm -hmm. where leaders are able to say, I don't know how we do that. I don't have the answer to that. We've never encountered that rather than feeling that because I'm the leader, I need to have all the answers and I must somehow blag my way through it. No, let's let's be vulnerable. Let's show situational humility. Let's actually be humble in the face of what we're achieving, you know, what I've what I've got, et cetera. So I don't see anything wrong with that at all. No, agree. And particularly, I think in this day and age, right, that might have been okay 50 years ago, or, you know, when, the, when we were in factories, and now we're, like, you cannot possibly know everything. And yeah, constantly changing, like, uh, one of the things that I teach at work is around digital capability is around like, um, Microsoft products. And I'm like, you can, I can teach you like Power BI, for example, today, and in two weeks' time, all the buttons are going to be in completely different places. Yeah, so yeah. Please don't think that what I'm teaching you now is it. You need to be comfortable with constant change. So if you're in that environment and you think you know everything, we're probably doing the Dunning-Kruger effect in there where you just like yeah you literally just think you do and you're missing so much of the picture and from that space so yeah, yeah that's a shame that someone still thinks that's a good way to lead I know absolutely and you know linking into to what you're talking about about how to anticipate and expect change because what is it they say it's the one thing guaranteed in life and that really is true isn't it um it's also about I think one of the things we need to as as leaders of people introverts or otherwise it's about helping people recognize that actually how we grow and develop is a very personal thing mm -hmm. and again I get very tired of seeing all these you know trite memes that say nothing good happens in your comfort zone you know get out of your comfort zone actually let's not lose track of the fact that in the comfort zone is where we do a lot of our work where we are unconsciously competent we don't have to think about it we can we can do stuff and we're really good so there are good things ha happen in the comfort zone yes. i do agree that growth probably doesn't happen in the comfort zone and that's why it's important for us to think about well how do we expand our comfort zones rather than get out of them yes and and so for me the whole thing about you know let's think about the edge of the comfort of the comfort zone is the competency zone so when i'm in that space i'm now in that space of conscious competence i can do it but i still have to think about it so shh, don't don't talk to me for a minute i'm really kind of focusing <laughs> yeah. on what i'm doing here so for introverts you know this is where the open plan office doesn't work for us, for instance, because we rarely get that quiet space to get into flow to really be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And then just beyond the competency zone is our learning edge. Mm -hmm. And this is where we're in that consciously incompetent, mm -hmm. potentially, where what we're starting to think about is, OK, I know I need to do this. How am I going to do it? I'm currently running 
a series of sessions about becoming braver for my introverted clients. And that is specifically taking us to that learning edge where actually we're straddling the competency zone and the learning edge because I'm also a huge fan of um, marginal gain technology. You know, in the 2012 uh, UK Olympics, and I know uh, David Brailsford, who was leading the cycling team, had used this beforehand. But what he was looking at are what are those small things that make the difference but are sustainable? And my issue with out of the comfort zone into the fear or anxiety zone is it's not sustainable. You know, something will happen and then we'll scurry back into the comfort zone and not want to leave it again. Mm -hmm. So I think it's about from a leadership perspective, regardless of who you're leading, it's how do you help people feel psychologically safe to leave the comfort zone, to play in the competency zone, to put a foot into the um, learning edge so that over time they look back and say, wow, look how far I've come, but without ever having felt fear unless they're motivated by that. And some people are, and that's fine. You know, I can I can help them get scared if that's what they want to do. But <laughs> most people don't actually. No, no. That's where your your fight, flight, freeze brain kicks in. And absolutely. Yeah. Then like you said, you just go running back to your comfort zone. But the the small steps outside of your comfort zone. So you're stretching your comfort zone. Um, yeah, exactly. Perfect way of of growing and learning new things. And and yeah. goes back to when you're doing that, which is what we should all be doing you need to be humble. Uh, and I, I think as a leader, it's it's helping others. And also through that, I'm so strong in that role modeling space, right? So absolutely, take your own small steps out of your comfort zone and have humility when you're doing that. Show them that, look, I have no idea what I'm doing right now uh, and I'm yep. going to learn it. I'm doing it anyway. Um, and I feel a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, so yeah. with me, you know, like, lead out loud um yeah I love that absolutely and 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 share when things don't go well yes. because we don't learn if everything goes perfect well I don't think we learn if everything goes perfectly what you know we learn when it's like oh that didn't quite work out the way we wanted to let's be intentional about you know what is it we did what could we do differently how can we put that in place so that we can we can make a a change next time round but if leaders don't show that that level of vulnerability and don't show that actually either they struggled with the same things or sometimes still struggle now, then we take away that learner safety from other people who also need to learn, grow and develop. Yeah, we start to think there's something wrong with me. Yeah. But else yeah. has got this except me. Or I, I can never be as good as them. So we do that comparison thing and comparisonitis kicks in and, and we then play small and hold ourselves back because we think I can't ever be like them because they get it right every time. When in reality, they don't. They're just not sharing it with us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, that's one of the key traits that I would love leaders to take on is that idea of uh, role modeling, leading out loud and owning when you're not good at something, when you do fail at something yeah. and, and what you learned from it as well, right? Like it's good to share the lessons as well. Um, yeah. One of my bugbears is, is hiding failures and no one learns a lesson. 
no and all that does you know back to the modeling behavior is is it's likely to encourage others to hide their failures too and and then you know this thing gets out of control and all of a sudden we've got a big mess to unpick whereas if we talked about it early enough you know there wouldn't be much to clear up at all yeah exactly so we've talked about uh, speaking up as meetings, which is, you know, one of the, the key things we think about when we think of introvert, extrovert. What other things are there that introverts tackle differently than extroverts that they can potentially own uh, and, you know, then become more authentic in that space? Well, I think there's something else about the meetings thing first, which is actually because we have a different communication process. Mm. So everything is pointing to the fact that introverts have this think say think communication process whereas extroverts it's the opposite it's say think say so when an extrovert is asked a question they're likely to give an answer kind of off the top of their head they're not attached to it they probably haven't thought it through they may not even remember in a few minutes time the answer they gave whereas an introvert genuinely kind of sits back and reflects on that because they want to give the real answer the answer that's true for them and that's when a lot of us can get tarred with this not having opinion doesn't want to speak out you know doesn't have answers etc because what we do is we we slip into our think say think process without telling people what's going on my very favorite analogy here for this is, and I, I don't know if it's true, I really hope it is, but somebody once told me when I was still back in engineering is that cash machines could be completely silent. You know, the hole in the wall where you put your card in, get your money out, could be completely silent. But when they trialed them, people panicked that they'd given their bank card and and then didn't know what was going on. So actually they engineer in the noise yeah. so that you're reassured that something's happening. I've given it my card and something is happening. Now, I think we need to, we need to engineer in a noise that when we're in our process of thinking, we need to let people know what's going on. So rather than just kind of, you know, sitting back in our chair and maybe not necessarily saying anything, is to explain that actually I need a few moments to think about that because initially my head is going in a few different directions and rather than share all that with you, what I want to do is just get clear on my position and then I'll share that. Yeah. So we need to let people know our process a bit more yeah. so that they're not left frustrated, confused, angry, whatever about the fact we haven't contributed straight away but I think it's also useful that what we do is use placeholders so that we stay in the conversation mm -hmm. now whether this is in a meeting whether it's just kind of with our team whatever it happens to be and for me a placeholder is is something like and I almost demonstrated it there is is that actually that's really interesting I've not been asked that question before and as I'm thinking about it here, so I'm staying in the conversation. I still have the mic or the airtime, but actually I'm not yet ready to, but I'm letting people know that neither am I going to hand over to somebody else. Mm. And I think that's a way that we can be more assertive in still in a gentle way and keep 
the kind of control of the conversation and let people know what our process is. So using placeholders, I found to be incredibly useful. Mm -hmm. And it may even be something like, okay, I'd like you to come back to me after you've heard from a couple more people, because in that, by then I will have got, um, I, I will have got my answer and I will be brave enough at that point to say, okay, I'm ready now with my answer. So I won't let it slide. Yeah. I will actually stay in there. Yeah. So, so I think that is an important thing for people to understand is, is the difference in our communication process as well. I love that idea of a placeholder and, and, um, one of the terms I use is decide in advance. So thinking about that ahead of time, what am I going to use as my placeholder and even practicing it, I think, so that we're not yeah. caught like a deer in headlights in the moment going, what was it? What was it? <laughs> You've got. Yeah, this, exactly. Uh, hmm. Interesting. And, and I think, let me think about that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and I think there's also something important that we need to be better at asking for what we need. So introverts typically are not good at spontaneous meetings okay let's just get together and let's just bash this out now because actually that doesn't give us the time to kind of think through our position on things or you know come up with a, a clear strategy of our own so I think we need to be much stronger about asking for clear agendas before meetings and not just a bullet point agenda but actually is it for discussion? Is it for a decision? You know, what is it? So it takes us back to good meeting practice, good meeting etiquette in a way, which many organizations have slipped out of. And, and you know, we just have these kind of group huddles. Well, yeah, the extroverts are going to do fine in that and you're going to hear from them, but you're probably not going to hear from the introverts. So let's speak up and ask for what we need around meetings. Yes, couldn't agree more. I, and I think, you know, sort of on that tone, when we're when we're the ones calling the meeting, um, so one is agenda, what else can we do as leaders that are calling meetings to make sure that we're fair to both introverts and extroverts rather than just one side of the equation? Have you got any other tips in that space? Well, I my my tendency is to play for the additional needs of the introverts because and, and that means, you know, if there's pre-reading that will help them get clear on that, let's send it out. Chances are the extroverts won't read it or won't feel they need it. And that's absolutely fine. But if actually what we do is we provide as much as may be needed, people can make a choice then about whether they just, you know, just um, kind of come to their ideas in the moment or whether they do, as you say, do their bit of prep, decide what their position is, decide even what their placeholder is going to be. So I, I would always cater for the greater need. And even even if people don't always take take up the opportunity. Mm. And so, for instance, it might be that when we're in the meeting, kind of throwing ideas around, the extroverts are going to potentially kind of go off in all sorts of different directions. I think the meeting chair also needs to then say, OK, now let's hear from those people we haven't heard from so far and see how their ideas integrate with what you've come up with. Mm -hmm. So let's get into the really good practice of valuing that difference rather than thinking one is better than the other, because there is you know, usually value to be had in some reflective um, thoughts coming in on those spontaneous ideas so you know let's make sure we 
we value and incorporate them. Yeah, I love that. So so making sure to call on those that haven't had a chance to speak because they're most likely going to be introverts uh, and they've got something to say, just not as fast as those that are extroverted. Yeah, and and it can be quite uncomfortable for introverts to, you know, if, if the chair suddenly says, okay, Joe, what do you want to add on this? Yeah. So, so I think it's also about <clears throat> people really getting to know who's in the meeting mm-hmm. and you know, there are often, if we haven't met before, there may be introductions and it's often, you know, name and position or name and, you know, whatever functional role you you fulfill in an organisation. But, you know, why not get a bit creative in that respect in terms of when you introduce yourself, what I'd really like to know is whether you're somebody who's who's likely to be, you know, spontaneous with your ideas or somebody who wants a bit of reflection time. So, you know, why not let's start to understand more about what makes people tick? Mm, mm, that's fantastic. I love that idea too. Um, I know me being with a digital background, uh, I am loving digital meetings now. I will sing the praises of digital meetings to everybody that will listen. Yep. Um, where we've got now as introverts the opportunity to use the chat, to use the hands up function, um, you know, rather than having to blurt everything out or feeling like we're going to miss out, we've got far more ways now than ever before to do that. Uh, and also we take advantage of um, the electronic whiteboard. So Miro or yeah. whiteboard or whatever. And we leave that up and say, this is there for the next week. If you have an idea over the next week, come and add it to the board. Uh, Fabulous. Man, the ideas are so much richer than what we used to get. I, I just, yeah. And I tell everybody like, this is, this is so good. Like, so, um, good yeah. for diversity right for for allowing a lot deeper thought for our introverts um, and for those of you that are just going to speak off the top of your head you can keep doing that but you'll also sometimes hear that what you just said you don't even agree with yeah <laughs> okay yeah. <laughs> you can come back too and say something else that you do agree with later on um, absolutely yeah, awesome. I love these. I love these discussions. I could talk about this all night, um, but we better move on to the next question. So, what I what I want to know is what's something that you know now that you really wish you'd known earlier. What What I really wished I'd known is that introverts have so many strengths and qualities that this world needs, and so in my case, I have. And had then so many strengths and qualities that the teams I was part of, the organizations that I was part of would have really benefited from had I have been braver and more confident in order to really express those. Mm. So I wished I'd known that I wasn't broken, that I didn't need fixing, that there was nothing, you know, there really wasn't anything wrong with me. I was just wired differently so my little phrase now is I'm not weird I'm wired differently and (laughs) and you know when people understand that it makes a world of difference yeah yeah which and I think we can let ourselves be fooled into thinking what other people say about us is true oh you're just you're super quiet you're not very competent and we can almost take that on as true and it's like no just give me a bit more time I've got plenty inside to give just just take a step yeah (laughs) and and I think one of the things and it's back to that whole thing about you know being proactive is about rather than 
being defensive when somebody makes that comment is owning your introversion and finding ways to articulate it positively at the outset because when when we respond it does sound a bit defensive so let's get it out there to begin with let's kind of own it with pride to begin with yeah uh one of the ways i've heard of doing that is actually if you if you're going to a reasonably big meeting and you're not sure who else is in the room is going to the meeting convener up front before the meeting happens and saying look i am an introvert and i would love it if you did xyz during the meeting to include me um so absolutely about knowing yourself first and what you need but then being able to communicate that as well yeah Fantastic. Uh, and I, I don't know if this is the same thing as, as I'm not weird, I'm, I'm wired differently, but what is your leadership mantra? What is the thing that you find yourself saying to yourself to keep going as a leader? Um, I think it's back to that servant leadership thing in, in that for me, authentic leadership and my mantra is I'm in service of those who I'm working with. Mm. and and that is my leadership mantra Uh, and yes it's about owning my strengths and and yes it's about making sure that actually I continue to grow and develop and create psychological safety but all of that is in service of those that I'm I'm working with and leading yes fantastic love it we you've got something that you would love to offer people listening today so do you want to just um say what that is all about Yeah, absolutely. So um, I've got a freebie downloadable, which is called the Mid-Career Introverts Guide to Mastering Meetings. And funny enough, we've talked a lot about meetings today. And it's just a lovely little downloadable that will enable people to really play to their strengths in meetings and ask for what they need. And, you know, there are other things that you can find on my website, which is flourishingintroverts.com. And there's brilliant battery boosters on there there's my TEDx talk there's my questionnaire all sorts of things so that's the one-stop shop for people to go to fantastic thank you I will pop the link to your website and the link to the managers meetings uh offer in the show notes so if you're listening make sure you go to the show notes click on the links and find Joe uh, and all of the amazing things that she's been talking about on her website uh, Joe, I have had a ball. Like I said, I could talk to you for hours about this stuff because I just find it so fascinating. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. I've really appreciated and enjoyed this conversation, Rochelle. Thank you. Thanks for joining me this week. I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. If you want to continue the conversation about today's topic or anything to do with being a leader from the inside out, come and join us in the Women in Leadership Facebook group. You'll find the link to join in the show notes as well as the links to connect with today's wonderful guest. If you got value out of this episode, I would love it if you could share it with others. And of course, if you've been listening to podcasts for any amount of time, you'll know that rating the show and leaving a review helps others to find the show. And I would really appreciate that. Until next week, continue to lead the way her way.